It's Gardening Talk back on to NURFM 103.7. And we've got Wendy from Madawi, and she needs advice about pruning rosemary. Hey, Wendy, how can we help you with your rosemary? Well, hi, Scott. Um, you might be saving a marriage here. My husband doesn't usually leave the pruning saw lying around, but he did. And I wish I could put some of the rosemary back on, but I can't. <laughs> can I? Have I killed it? <laughs> <laughs> The problem is, uh, kind of, if you look at the, the centre of the plant, it's about a metre and a half tall, and it's a beautiful big sphere. Half of it, though, from the, the middle of the circle out goes over the driveway. So I kind of shaved that <laughs> side off. You, you know, you're not painting a very good picture here, Wendy. I know, I know. <laughs> but you've got to tell me something good so I can tell hubby it's not too bad, it's all right. Well, look, the, the good thing about rosemary is it's probably one of the toughest plants out there. You could, probably, you could have run over it with the car if you'd wanted to. Oh, good. And, and it wouldn't kill it. So, look, don't, I wouldn't be concerned. It will come back for you. About the only thing it doesn't do is if you've got a really big sort of woody trunk or branch, sometimes that just has a bit of dieback in it. But... Look, generally, I'd say you could cut, you know, rosemary down very, very hard and it will still come back for you. And it will come back really nice and soft, so you'll be able to use it in your cooking again and you'll be able to prune it back into that nice sphere that you had as well. Oh, good, good. Yeah, it's still got, the, like, the trunk of it is, like, it's probably four inches diameter, the woody trunk, and I cut a few of the big woody branches off down at the bottom. Okay, look, and I think the best thing is your husband does not leave a chainsaw around for your general use in the future. Yeah, I'm just looking at that tree over there. <laughs> you said that very wistfully then, very dreamily. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Scott. Okay, okay, so look, don't be concerned. Um, if, if, he's, if he's very, very concerned, get him to call Greg and I and we'll, we'll deal with the situation. Oh, we'll good, sort him out. good. Yeah, we'll, okay. we'll, t- we'll take him down to the pub for a drink or something. And, oh, and, excellent work. Yeah, work, work good. Good idea. Okay, thanks, thanks Wendy. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers, thanks, Wendy. Of course you don't run over plant with your car reading. No, 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 no. We weren't advocating that in any way whatsoever. We've got Tom now from Aberglasson and he needs advice about planting seeds. Tom, how can we help you? Good afternoon, gentlemen. I just want to find out, I can germinate seeds like petunias, sweet peas and marigolds, but they get to a certain stage and then they wilt. Am I overwatering? I keep them in a mini hothouse. Uh, like they were too early to transplant out, but so should I... Uh, fungicide will dust them before I plant them or something like that? I think your problem might be that you're keeping them in the mini hothouse. I'd say once they've germinated and come up from the soil, uh, I'd be getting them out of there in that case. It's just too humid for a tiny little plant like that and they will be susceptible to fungal disease. Um, yeah, so as soon as you get that germination, um, yeah, whip them out of that, that situation. Are you using a, a seed-raising mix, a specific uh- seed? Yeah, yeah, seed-raising mix, but it's too early to actually fertilise them with anything, isn't it? Yeah, look, it is too early. Uh, look, they're very, very tender, of course, when they come out like that. So, look, get them to, to sprout, uh, bam, out of the uh, out of the little hothouse that you've got, just out into a, a more sheltered position, you know, not somewhere where they're getting the full sun, obviously. Um, and uh, just just let them harden up a little bit, uh, you know, probably until they're, I don't know, a centimetre, two centimetres sort of out of the ground, and then you can try and prise them apart and plant them if you want to. You probably even let them go a bit longer than that, actually. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen, uh, you know, petunias get quite large in punnets before, you, and you can still prise them apart, and they do very well. Right. Have you ever heard of fungicide that the seeds with dust before you plant them or anything like that? Uh, look, I, I don't think that that's, you know, really going to be helpful. 
Right. It's the problem is once they're germinated, that's when the fungal spores must be settling on them, uh, on the actual leaf of the plant, and wilting that. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much for your assistance. Okay. Good on you, Tom. Okay. Have, have some Thanks. good luck with it, mate. Cheers. Bye. It's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. If you've got a question, 49216216. We've got Brian from Fennel Bay. And he's got a question about passion fruit. Oh, good. We've been down on passion fruit questions this a, year. It's been a while since we had a passion fruit yeah. one. Thank you, Brian. How can we help you? <laughs> good morning. Well, no, I should say. Yeah, I have a passion fruit vine that I grew from a seed. It's yep. one of those um, big yellow ones. Yes. And uh, it's got hundreds of flowers on it. It has for the last three months, mm-hmm. but I don't get one passion fruit. They just shrivel up and drop off. And I've got some sulfate of potash. I've uh, put some of that on in just in the last six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And it's still exactly the same, nothing on there. And I've noticed a lot of the leaves have yellow spots on them now. Yeah, look, what's happening now is you're getting too late to, to worry about it fruiting and, and flowering. They just won't ripen up properly for you now as we're you know, sort of heading into, into autumn and then into winter. Uh, look, next year, what I'll be doing, keep on using the potash. You're doing the right thing there. What I would do is once you see the flowers coming out, go and grab a fungicide uh, like copper oxychloride. It's a copper-based fungicide and actually spray those flowers. And that will prevent any fungal disease coming in through them. And that's probably why they're dropping off. Also, make sure as soon as you see the flowers on there that you're watering it very, very well around the base of the plant because the first thing a plant will do is drop its flowers if it's stressed in any way. So make sure you're doing that. And uh, mate, look, hope that the bees turn up as well and uh, pollinate the flowers for you because without them, uh, you're not going to get the, the fruit on there. I've had one bee hanging around here. That's um, that's the only one I see. Oh. <laughs> you, need, you need to have a word problem. with him. Yeah, I should bring, yeah, bring a few mates. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I realised it was too late to get the passion fruit, but um, and it's too late to put that copper oxyfluoride on it. For, uh, yeah, look, uh, no, no, no need to do it now. Uh, look, I, I just uh, if there's flowers coming on there, I'd actually pick them off or prune them off if uh, if you can. Uh, it's just getting too late. You don't want it, the plant putting its energy into that. Now you want it putting its energy back into the leaves of the plant, making itself stronger for next year. Yeah, yeah. I've been watering it every day. Uh, I give it a, a, a watering can full yeah. every day. So, yeah. okay. Look, and it might even be you, you know uh, you might have to give a little bit more than that, especially when it's you know quite warm and it's got its flower set. Uh, if it's windy as well, uh, that's also a time where the plant's going to dry out. So, yeah, flower set on look any plant, citrus and passion fruit especially, make sure that uh, they're being very well watered. Okay, thanks very much. Okay, good on you, Brian. Good luck with it next yep. year, mate. Thank, thank you. Have a good afternoon. Bye-bye. Graham from Spears Point. Another passion fruit question. Yes, we're on a roll. We're on a roll. We're going to make up for summer today. <laughs> Graham, how can we help you with your passion fruit, mate? Scott, no worries, mate. Um, look, I, I haven't got one yet. The question I'd like to ask is that years ago you had to plant two passion fruit vines. Is that still the case? Uh, no, you can get the grafted ones now, Nellie Kelly, and yep. uh, they will uh, fruit themselves. Oh, so you only require one? Yeah, you, you only, don't need the two? Yeah, you only require the one. And it, I don't know if it's such a great problem. I mean, they're such a prevalent plant that usually there's going to be, you know, another passion fruit in the area somewhere that the bees can, uh, you know, do their business with. Oh, okay, yeah. yep. Yeah. Now, I heard Brian earlier, and he sort of answered most of the questions, so I'm in the process of building a tress, uh, trestle now, like a lattice work thing, for it to climb on, just 
normally about a metre high. Would that be high enough? Oh, no, it'll, it'll reach up to that uh, probably in its first morning of growth, mate. You probably have to go a bit bigger than that. Uh, my next-door neighbour, he's got them, and they're up through my trees, up to about three to four metres high. Right. So, uh, yeah, they've, they've really taken over. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm not sure yeah, my rock. trees stop and the passion fruit ends sort of thing now. It's, really, it's gone a bit crazy. Uh, look, the, when, right. you, when you're using the grafted ones, the main thing to watch out for is when you're uh, you know, initially putting in there and it's off and running, uh, you might see some little grey-coloured or lighter-coloured leaves, and there'll be a slightly different um, sort of shape as well coming out from the base of the plant down below the graft, and you actually have to make sure you get rid of those uh, so that otherwise the graft from the wild rootstock will take over. So be careful about that if you're going to plant them. Look, you can plant passion fruit year-round. Uh, yep. I'd probably wait now until August sometime. Uh, and, and pop them in. You probably find it, uh, you know, less prevalent to actually purchase um, at, at your garden centre uh, as we get into the colder months. But you, look, they will keep on growing, obviously, all year round. But uh, I, yeah, I'll probably wait now until August before you pop one in the ground. Oh, fantastic! Thanks very much for that, Scott. Not a worry at all. You have a nice afternoon, Graham. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye. Bye. I think a passion fruit tree is going to be a lot bigger than what Graham initially anticipated. Yeah, I think that that meter. Uh, I mean, that's what just up around your rib cage or somewhere yeah. like that. Yeah, that's not going to be big enough. <laughs> that's. Uh... Just, I, I think he's going to be for a very pleasant surprise, though. I think so. I think so. Hopefully, he's got a, a nice neighbour next door that'll let him grow the passion fruit all yeah. over the tree. We well, get free passion fruit, don't you? They do. They just drop on the ground. It's been really nice. Yeah. Happy days. Yeah. We've got Julie now from Blacksmiths, and she's got a question about. I'm not even going to bother pronouncing this. Oh, come on, give it a crack. Leucospermum. Very good. And I'd, I'd like to say whoever typed that into the computer did a very good job as well. I'm very impressed. <laughs> Julie, how can we help you? Yes, hi, Scott. Um, we've got an absolutely gorgeous Leucospermum, yeah. which we planted out the front of the house um, two years ago, maybe. And the flowers were absolutely magnificent. Yes. Um, um, husband, yeah, it's in full sun. And my husband um, trimmed it back. But now it's the the leaves from the bottom are all going yellow. Okay, look, that that's probably nothing to do with the actual pruning, um, but they don't particularly like being pruned. Is the thing with leucosperms? They're uh, look, I guess they're probably a little bit like. Uh, you know, if you're pruning a native uh, grevillea or a banksia or, or something like yep. that here in Australia, that's yep. what they don't particularly like. As to the yellow leaves, I don't know that that would have been from from the pruning. Uh, generally, you just don't get them to come back as well, and you get sort of a funny shape to them again. Mm. Uh, but look, with yellowing leaves, uh, generally on a uh, like a, a plant like that, Luco's not a, a, a native, but uh, generally it's going to be a fungal disease of some sort. So it might be worth actually going and uh, getting a uh, you know, fungicide like copper oxychloride and giving it a preventative spray around the plant. Make sure you don't fertilise them either. Only use uh, an Australian native fertiliser uh, mm-hmm. because uh, they, they don't, they're very much like uh, you know, our natives uh, here. They don't like um, you know, being fertilised with really harsh yep. fertilisers. Blood and bone's quite good on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, look. Otherwise, I'd, I'd go and get that, that fungicide and give it a, a general, general spray. And then, when you are pruning it back next time, uh, just give it a gentle shave rather than a, a heavier sort of prune. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. 
That's great, thank you. Because they're absolutely beautiful flowers. Yes, they are. I mean, you've got to remember that. Uh, look, I've never been to South Africa, but I can only imagine it's a little bit like you know Perth. Proteas. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I guess that's where I mean, we're all joined up at one point in time. Uh, I can only imagine it's a little bit like that, where it's you know perhaps a drier heat, uh, and like a lot of natives here, they don't like the humid conditions that we've got in Newcastle. So, right. uh, yeah. Look, uh, that, that's that's about uh, what I'd suggest for you using that fungicide and use it uh, you know sort of regularly. You could probably use it every month if you wanted to. It's not actually going to oh. harm the plant in any way, but it will okay. provide some protection for it. All right. Thank you very much. Okay, I love the flower. I don't particularly like the cricket team. They're the proteas, aren't they? <laughs> proteas, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I keep on getting the spring box of the, the rugby team, aren't they? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I'm the, not into sports, so that's okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thanks for that, Julie. Right. Thank you very okay. much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I thought you were going to do a South African accent then, too. No, I'm not going to do that. I, that's, that's just not um, appropriate in any no. way whatsoever. <laughs> it's a gardening talk back on to you RFM. And we've got Nicole from Bullaroo. And she wants to know when's the best time to plant a peach tree. Hey, Nicole, how can we help you? Good afternoon, gentlemen. I'm just wondering, as we're coming into the cooler weather, is it too late to plant a fruit tree like a peach tree or an apricot tree or something like that? No, no, look, it's, it's fine to plant them at the moment. Uh, if you've you know got one you need to plant, the only thing I would say, and this becomes you know back to a more of a, a choice thing than anything rather than the plant, is that as you, we get into June and July, the garden centres will have a very great and large variety of them uh, because that's when all their deciduous trees come in for sale. Uh, so, look, if you do want to plant some sort of fruit tree, I would wait until then. You'll get it as bare root stock. It'll probably be a little bit cheaper as well. Uh, I'm very thrifty, actually, aren't I? It's good consumer advice here on Gardening Talkback. Uh, and you'll be able to, uh, you know, talk to the uh, the people there at the garden centre about uh, whether the peach you're putting in needs a pollinator, for instance. And uh, so, look, I, I, would, I would probably wait. Uh, but no reason you can't plant it now. Uh, but your choice is going to be much, much greater as we uh, get into the colder months and the garden centres have got them in stock. Thank you very much. Not a problem. Good luck with it. Beautiful uh, fruit to eat. Yeah. Yes, but uh, you have, just have to be careful about fruit fly. But uh, when you're there, just talk talk to the uh, people at the garden centre. They'll be able to advise you about uh, how to look after that peach and, and get it fruiting and flowering properly for you. Thanks so much. Okay. Have a great day. You too. Good on you, Nicole. Thank you. Some very fruity advice from you then. I know. It's it's like oh, consumer very, issues. Very, very Marie Kondo. Of you. It was, wasn't it? In a good way. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Julie now from Valentine, and she's got a question about Calandra. Yeah, Caliandra. Caliandra. Caliandra, yes. Hey, Julie, how can we help you? Hi, Scott. Good, thank you. Um, I've got two Caliandras. One I've had for quite a few years, yes. and it's quite tall and... and is always in flower. It's really lovely, and it's and because they're hard to come by. They are, yes. Yes, that's why I. The second one I bought in probably January this year, and it, it's going quite well. It's growing and getting a fl- few flowers. Yes. Uh, but my question is that my older one, I've only noticed this season that it's got seed pods on it. Oh, excellent! So you're thinking about trying to harvest some of those seeds, are you? Yes, yeah. I actually have pulled a couple of the seed pods off as they were starting to turn brown. Good, good, yep, that's the way yep. to do it. Or the, um, o- the other way you can do it as well is get, uh, uh, you know, like a oh, look, some sort of bag. I, you know what I, I would probably use? You know those, uh, you can get like a washing bag, almost like a mesh bag. Oh, yes. And you could tie something like that around it. You could use a paper bag if you wanted to as well, but of course if it rains it gets soggy and doesn't work. Well, there's, there's quite a few and it's quite tall. It's about 
oh, probably about two metres tall. We yep. try and keep it pruned in a manageable shape. Yes. Um, but if I, the ones that I have been able to pull off that are as they were, they're green and then they start to turn brown yes. before they actually burst open, if I dry, like keep them in a, say, a paper bag and let them dry out, yep. what, when do I plant them? Can I plant them straight away or do I have to wait till like six months down the track or? Well, look, it's not so much that you couldn't plant them straight away. You, you could. What I would be most, most concerned about, because it's a, it's a subtropical plant uh, from, you know, South America, uh, I'm thinking here in winter it's probably going to be a little bit too cold. So you, you'll germinate them and you'll get this really soft little plant coming up out of the ground where the cold's going to harm it. I'd be more inclined to wait till, you know, sort of late August, September. Uh-huh, when it's starting to warm up again. Yeah, absolutely. And even then... Yep. Uh, look, you try and have it in a, a nice protected position, uh, in a, out of the winds uh, where there's not cold settling on it, because it can still get very you know cold nights in September, yep. I guess. My husband's got one of those little, um, like a planter box with little, um, and it's got a dome lid on it. Oh, yeah, look, an excellent way to do that. Uh, I mean, you could do it earlier if you wanted to in that case in winter and get them growing in that. The only thing, and we were talking to to Tom from uh, Aberglassen earlier on about germinating the seed and then getting it out of those sort of little mini hothouses because it starts to get a a little bit too humid in there. So I would do that. Uh, either wait, let it dry out. And, you know, it's not going to harm them by you know sitting around until September, you know August, September. The seeds are still going to be quite viable for you. Oh, uh, okay. That yeah, that yeah. was sort of my line of thinking. Yeah, look, there's no problem about that whatsoever. You can hold on to them, you know, for quite a long period of time, uh, and, uh, and grow them at that time. Uh, or you can use your little mini hothouse if you want to and try and germinate them uh, a little bit earlier. Yeah. Um, I did buy one probably two years ago for my friend who really loves my plant and hers, I end up, hers is a different colour and it was her, she alerted me to hers had seed pods which I'd never ever noticed on my older one. You you can actually take cuttings as well if you wanted to try it that way. Well, I didn't think we could. I didn't think it it would strike from a cutting. No, no, absolutely. So you take the cutting from up, you know, where the, the green is just starting to harden up and turn a little bit brown. Yes. And, uh, you know, you strip off the leaves, you just leave a few at the top, you put them uh, into a, a propagation mix and just yep. water them as normal. And, look, I'd be surprised. Again, you do that in the warmer months, though. You wouldn't do it now. Now, And no. uh, you, you'll get some, uh, some cuttings from that. Uh, did your, I, I love calliandras because does, does yours go to sleep at night? The leaves sort of fold yes. up. At, yeah, I, yes. yeah. I call it, them. It tends to, like last night, and we'd had rain the night before in yeah. early hours yesterday morning. But yesterday afternoon, it looked really wilted, like it was really closed up. Yes, yeah. And I thought, oh, but I knew it had had plenty of rain on it. So, and this morning, it's as good as one thing again. Yeah, so I, I was, I call them go to sleep plants. That's what I used to call them as a kid. But uh, some people call them powder puff plants, and you can get them. Yeah, in, you that's can get them in, I've heard of it as a powder puff plant. Yeah, you can get them in reds and pinks, uh, different colours. I'm pretty sure you can get a dwarf one as well. Um, I did buy a dwarf yeah. one for my girlfriend, and because she's got only a small area to put it in yep. and her and it was a pink one like a soft pink yes that's the one and yeah my one that i've got here um is a the ready pom pom okay yeah yes, look and at the, the, i did the one i bought in january was called the tweedy eye 
Ah, uh, yes, I think that uh, that's that's a nice one as well. Look, they are a really beautiful plant, and if you can find them, anyone listening out there, uh, you know, get one in the garden because they're not something that really takes over uh, from no. you. And just to add a little bit of a, a tropical feel to your garden, very very nice plant. And the birds absolutely love the flowers. There's all all year round it's flowering, and we have lots of birds coming to to eat the the nectar and the set, like pulling out the pulling the pom-poms apart. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, good luck with the, uh, you know, striking the seed or, or doing the cuttings in the alternative. I, oh, yes, yeah. I'll try that. I didn't I didn't think you could take them. That's why I tried to harvest the seeds. Yeah, look, either way, uh, you know when you take a uh, cutting, though, you'll get a true copy, I guess, of the plant. It's like sticking the plant in a photocopier or yep. t- taking a photo of it. If you use the seed, it's like uh, getting someone to draw the plant for you, I guess. It's, well, God, what a fantastic analogy. It's like, it's like getting someone to draw it there will be a slight variation or a possible slight variation striking from seed uh, but that's why um, you know most uh, you know growers use cutting uh, because you actually get a, a you know a carbon copy of that plant with the, the cuttings plant. Take, yeah with with the dwarf one my friend has mm-hmm. it was, she alerted me to like getting seeds she's had a couple of little ones come up underneath in the ground underneath hers where obviously a seed's dropped yeah yeah uh like, are they okay to leave in the ground, or can we put those into a pot and maybe in a more sheltered space for the winter? Yeah, look, I'd certainly do that. The you know, if you let them grow in underneath that existing plant, it might start to, uh, you know, get a bit crowded and take over yeah. there. So, look, I'd be inclined to move them if you can. Yep. Okay. Oh, great. Well, okay. we shall do that. Thank you very much for the call, Julie. Much appreciated. Okay. Lovely. Thank you, Scott. Okay, have a nice afternoon. Okay, you too. Jim Bye-bye. now from Hamilton, and he's got a question about mandevilia. Very good. Your, your pronunciation's going very well today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one. How are you I've going, got, Jim? Yeah. I've got one. Well, thanks, so I've got a fairly new, like a couple of months old, yellow mandevilla yes. in, in a pot, and it flowers as they do quite a lot, even though it's only quite young. But every night... The yellow flower is either half eaten or fully eaten off. Oh, okay. Um, I'm suspecting that's you know something that comes out at night. Uh, generally, going to be a caterpillar or a snail. Uh, so, look, I would either get some caterpillar dust, uh, you know, we call it deris dust, and give a light dusting yeah. of the plant. It's not going to harm it at all. Uh, and also, probably. Uh, grab some snail pellets and just gently, you know, sprinkle them around the base of the plant and hopefully uh, stop the snails getting in and doing the damage. The leaves aren't touched at all, and a nearby red mandevilla is untouched. Mm, yeah. It just seems to be attracted as yellow. <laughs> might be, yeah, the, the different colour of the flower at night might be, uh, you know, home, you know, something's homing in on it. it. Yeah. Yeah, but look, I'd I'd do that. I'd I'd get the uh, the snail the snail bait and the uh, the deris dust and give it a light dusting again. It's not going to harm it. I'm, I've got heaps of snails at my place. I'm surprised at how fast they move, and that you don't know that they're there during the day. And then no, there's you know, no no signs of tracks, and you yeah. can't see them. So I'll give that a go. Yep. thank you very much. Not Bob. a problem. Thanks very much right. for that. You're looking at the incredulously there, Greg. That snails move quickly. Yeah, just they move slow, don't they? Well, they do, but you know, if they're they're persistent and and consistent, after a while they get quite a fair way. Okay, yeah, so I mean, deceptively quick. They are deceptively quick over a long distance <laughs> and a long time. Yeah. All right, so it's the distance, not the yeah, it's, it's not the sprint. The equation works out for them. We've got Maxine from Singleton, and she's got a question about hibiscus. Hey, Maxine, they're looking beautiful at the moment. Actually, the hibiscus. How can we help about yours? 
Okay, look, I, I would leave them be at this point in time. Uh, once we get around to August, that's when I would uh, give them a prune at that point in time. Now, the reason I say that is because if you start pruning now, uh, growth is going to start to drop off and you'll have a sort of a bare plant and any new growth that does come on will be more susceptible to being burnt off by the colder nights and uh, colder winds in June, July. All right. Now, how far back should you prune it around August? Yeah, look, pretty. You can go pretty hard. Or yeah, just, uh... No, you can go. You can go hardcore on your hibiscus in August if you want to. Uh, half of it, a third of it. Um, look, yeah, they, they really will come back quite nicely for you uh, at that time of year. Right, and also the flowers. The flat, the hibiscus flowers are coming out, but they're dying before they actually come all the way out and falling off, what right. would be causing that sort of problem? Yeah, look, that, that does happen. You have to remember hibiscus have only got a you know, fairly short-lived flower anyways, uh, but they do have a lot of them on there. Uh, look, it, it could be that they're just you know drying out at certain points in time. Uh, look, I'd, I'd say fungal disease, but you're up in uh, Singleton, so I don't think that's really going to be a problem for a hibiscus up there. Uh, I'd just mm-hmm. make sure that when they're flowering that they're well watered. Hopefully you've got some rain this last couple of days and uh, uh, might, yeah, yes. yeah, <laughs> might, might help the flowers uh, hang on just that little bit longer for you. Yeah, yeah, they just seem to drop off before they fully... Open. Yeah, look, again, they are, it's, you know, one of those flowers that do just go, a lot of them, but they don't last too long. Okay, Scott. Okay. Thanks Thank for that, for Maxine. That. You have a nice afternoon. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM, 103.7. Scott, I think we've got time for a couple of more calls. And we've got Diane from Vaseen. She's got a question about zygote cactus. Zygote cactus. Yeah, let's go. Diane, how can we help you? Um, yeah, I've got a pile of these little zygos, and they—I just put them, put them into pots and whatever. But one of my big ones—it's just broken a branch off. Yes. Do I break all that up and let it dry out so the little roots come in, whatever, or am I best to just leave it? It's a pretty big branch. No. So has it got like little the little individual leaflets? You know, the little, yeah, the yeah, bits? yeah, yeah. So yeah. you can snap those or, or cut them and let them callus up and then plant them if you'd like to. So you can get many off them. Yeah. Or if you want to, you can just sort of prune it back and stick it in the in some soil and you'll just get that single plant coming out of there. Uh, so I, I can put that one big branch in and that will, that will wait for that to kind of do its little root bits. Or yep. it might best to cut it all up. Oh, it's look, better off to cut it all up, aren't I? It's up to you. If you want many, then you can do that. If you just want the one um, sort of pre-grown, you can just do that as well. Uh, oh, look, okay. zygo are just one of the toughest uh, plants. They're, they're oh, fan- that's good because I kill those things. <laughs> well, they're, fan- they're um, fantastic. No, that's all right. I just wondered because bra- the branch is kind of just hanging and it'll take a while for it to kind of dry. It usually dries and then the little, little new... Um, kind of roots come out the end and yeah. then I just put them into the ground. Yeah, that's that's how it works. And if you do cut up the individual ones, they'll callus yeah. off and do the same thing as well. Right, okay. Yeah. I yeah. might do that. Look, they okay. are great. You can put them under the house sort of thing and uh, they'll come back at this time of year, around Mother's Day actually, uh, okay. and with the, you know, profusion of flowers, so many different colours. They've got uh, magentas. Uh, you know, yeah, that's that, the one I've got. Yeah. I've got the magenta, but I can't seem to grow anything else. So <laughs> you get, I think I've got a bit of red. Yep. So hopefully those are the ones that, I'm, that are coming, that I've, you know, that I've killed one, of course, and, um, and I've managed to kind of get a few more, but I just wanted to know whether to break this up or not. So. Yeah, look, okay, well, I might just, um, I might attack it and see if I've got some pots. <laughs> and, okay, uh, thank you very much. You won't kill it, Diane. Good luck with it. Oh, yeah.
Oh, yeah, I'll kill it. No doubt in the world. Okay, thank you. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Almost sounded like challenge accepted there from Diane. Yeah, well, it was almost a written guarantee we were giving her then, wasn't it? She'll be fine. I think it'll be all good. Great guns. Yeah, they are. Look, you can put those under your veranda, under the house, and you'll sort of come back at this time next year and pull it out and go, oh, wow. Um, I haven't watered it. I haven't done anything to it, but yep. it's, it's flowering again, and uh, off we go. And you can get them in whites, chartreuse, like we said, magenta. Chartreuse? Chartreuse. I thought I'd throw that one in. What colour is chartreuse? Uh, I'm pretty sure that it's uh, somewhere between a burgundy and a pink. <laughs> I'm going to be stand, stood corrected on that at some point in we'll time. I'll have to look that up a bit later. It's yeah. a nice word, though. Chartreuse. I know. It's, it's the French in me coming out. Very French. Scott Sharp, we're almost out of time for another week, but we were very tropical. We didn't get much tropical today. No, we didn't, do did we? No. We didn't. Have we got some time to... to... Yeah, we've got a, a bit, at least minutes and a bit. Oh, okay. Well, look, I was going to have a quick talk about Alicazia's Brina, Tiger. Uh, it's like a big elephant's ear, but what stands this one apart is that the, I guess, the stems of the fleshy stems as they come out of the soil have almost like... They look like snake scales, like a big python. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not a big snake person at all but these plants do look very very attractive for a snake for a snake and for a plant as well uh look good in a protected position uh definitely out of the full sun uh and uh they will just start to form a clump and it will look really great because you get this dark you know that that snake skin look to the the trunk as it comes up once you get many of them growing uh look really fantastic the other plant that is out and about at the moment and looking absolutely superb is the tibicinas uh, you're probably seeing the, the purple flowers at the moment yes yes most definitely the purple flowers okay lots of purple flowers there's one that's about uh, three meters tall that's tibicina alstonville and there's also tibicina jewels which is the dwarf variety which only gets to about a meter tall both of them very tough plants. You can prune them as hard as you like and they will right. just come back. But this time of year, they are looking just wonderful. You'll see them as you're driving around. Can you get them in chartreuse as well? I don't know. I know I'm going to probably wear this for a long time now, aren't I, the use of that? <laughs> I like it. It's a good word. Oh, good. Well, I'll, I'll try and find some colour swatches for you and we'll have a look at it next week. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it as we wait. Scott Sharp, thank you very much. See you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.